Welcome to the City of Refuge Church Podcast. We are so excited that you have joined us. We are a church that is called, connected, and commissioned. We want to call all people to repent and believe in our Savior's loving grace. We want to connect our neighborhood to the unity found in the greater family of Christ. We want to commission others to live as kingdom citizens before the world and heaven. And we hope that this podcast gives you a glimpse of what God is doing in us and in the Eau Claire community. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I want to know you more. Well, we're in the perfect season to get to know Jesus because as Jay Will has told us, we are in the season of Advent where we are celebrating the first coming of Jesus and ever looking forward to his second coming. Can we please have a wonderful hand clap for this wonderful praise team that has led us in worship this afternoon. All right, you all, we all may be seated. First, giving our glory to God, who is our Father and our Creator, to Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, to the Holy Spirit, who is our strength, our comforter, and our God. It is wonderful to see all of you again, City of Refuge. I miss you guys. It's wonderful to see you guys out this afternoon. Certainly to Pastor Jerrion Wilson, the angel of this house, who has granted me this opportunity once more to practice this gift of preaching, to Pastor of Riverside James Walden. Brother, it is wonderful to see you. Thank you. And of course, to my wife, who has encouraged me all day. Thank you. If you would all please turn with me in your book, in your Bibles, to the book of Deuteronomy. And I know that the, what is it, the pamphlet, whatever, what is it called? Pamphlet, the booklet. It says Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 and 16. However, while preparing this message, I felt that I needed to back up a little bit to give us some context and then read a little further to give us even more context. So today I'll be reading verses 9 through 19. Again, that's Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 through 19. And I will be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. And it reads there, When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not imitate the detestable customs of those nations. No one among you is to sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire. Practice divination, tell fortunes, interpret omens, practice sorcery, cast spells, consult a medium or a spiritist, or inquire of the day. Everyone who does these acts is detestable to the Lord, and the Lord your God is driving out the nations before you because of these detestable acts. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. Though these nations you are about to drive out listen to fortune tellers and diviners, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do this. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. This is what you requested from the Lord your God at Horeb, 
on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not continue to hear the voice of the Lord our God or see this great fire any longer so that we will not die. Then the Lord said to me, they have spoken well. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. I will hold accountable whoever does not listen to my words that he speaks in my name. And if I had to title this text, I would simply title it, A Prophet Like Moses. A Prophet Like Moses. Last week, Pastor J. Will, you brought us into the season of Advent and you began our celebratory journey by teaching from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that Jesus is the serpent crusher. And in so being, he has crushed sin, death, hell, and the grave, and therefore all those who belong to him will share in this victory. And saints, what a beautiful day that will be when we cross into glory. We'll see grandma again, and we'll see papa again, and we'll be able to read our titles clear, stick our swords in the sands of time, study war no more, because Jesus has won the victory once and for all. Our text today takes us another step forward in our Advent celebration. In this text, the greatest prophet that Israel has ever known or seen tells the children of Israel that God will raise up an even greater prophet than himself. And so my assignment, James, for this afternoon is to prove that Jesus is unequivocally and undisputedly the prophet that Moses is talking about. And once we establish that, there's a choice that we will have to make. And so our text, as I read, begins in verse 9. And Wayne, I believe that this text has three sections for us to walk through as we establish Jesus' prophetic role. The first section is verses 9 through 14, and God gives Israel a list of prohibitions. He says, no one among you is to sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire. Practice divination, tell fortunes, interpret omens, practice sorcery, cast spells, consult a medium or spiritist or inquire of the dead. Now, that's a long list of stuff that God is saying, don't do. And each one of those things is very different from the others. But I believe that the Deuteronomic commentator, Peter C. Craigie, helps us understand this best when he says that God in this prohibition is banning Israel from participating in and using illegitimate methods of attempted communication with the supernatural world. Humanity at its core, knows that this physical world is not all there is to existence. Whether Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, Jewish, Hindu, or some other tradition, we know that there is a realm beyond this physical realm that we cannot sense physically, but we know its effects and we know its presence. 
And ever since Adam and Eve were drawn and driven out of the garden, humanity has tried to reach that spiritual realm once more. We know that there's something more that we're supposed to be a part of, and that's what the Tower of Babel was all about. It was humanity trying to reach up to God, and that's what paradise is for the Muslim. It's what nirvana is for the Buddhist. It is all humanity trying to reach this supernatural realm. And that's what these practices are here in verses 10 and 11. It is yet again and once more humanity trying its best to reach up to God. And so the question we got to ask, Pastor James, is what's wrong with that? I mean, we were created by God. We were created to be in relationship with God. So what's wrong with us trying to reach the supernatural realm? What's wrong with us trying to reach up to God? Well, yes, we should be doing that, but in doing so, we have to ask for what purpose? The problem and the reason God prohibits illegitimate contact with the supernatural is because our attempt to do so is a prideful desire to control powers beyond our understanding and to make them bend to our will. It is not out of a desire, out of a holy, humble desire to reconcile with the holy God who created us, but it is our desire to be God. And in trying to control powers beyond our comprehension, we end up and open ourselves up to being controlled by them. Crystal, I remember about 13, I'm 27 now, so about 13, 14 years ago, I was just a longer, little younger than what Josh is. And at this time, my mom and my brother had started taking golf lessons. They were, you know, playing golf. And my brother was trying to be the next Tiger Woods at the time. And, and so um, one day they took me out there with them on the course and we were just having a good time. I, I wasn't taking golf lessons, so I was just out there with the driver, just, you know, swinging it like a baseball bat, trying to get the ball to go as far as I could. And so on a golf cart, you know, if you go to a golf course, that means you ride around in a golf cart, right? You, you got a golf cart. And so, again, I was only about 14, 13 years old at the time, and so I hadn't started taking driving lessons yet, but I wanted to drive the golf cart, as any young teenager would. And, and so I kept asking my mama, Mom, can I drive the golf cart? And she would say no, because she has good sense. But I kept asking anyway, because I felt like, well, I'm going to drive in a few years anyway, so maybe this would be a good time for me to learn on a golf cart. And, and so eventually my mom said yes. And so I get in the driver's seat, I put my seatbelt on and turn, turn the key, turn it on. And I just, I just gassed it, y'all. I just, I, just, I just gassed it. And then immediately I realized that I am operating heavy machinery right now. And I realized that the reason my mom kept saying no wasn't because she was trying to be mean or because she was annoyed, but because this was an actual vehicle and I had no idea what I was doing. So after I have my epiphany that maybe I shouldn't be driving this vehicle, <laughs> I slam on the brakes, the cart whip tails, and thank God it didn't flip over. Now, I'm not trying to bother y'all today, but I just got to ask, what's driving you? 
What, what is that thing that you thought you were driving that is now driving you? See, this is the problem with seeking contact with the supernatural. It, it drives back. And God prohibits it because in verse, verses 15 through 18, he gives us a promise. And what is this promise? Verse 15, the Lord, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. Now, to be clear, this is Moses talking. Deuteronomy is basically Moses' last sermon to Israel before God moves him off the scene. And so now he's telling Israel that, listen, I'm about to move off the scene, but God's going to send y'all someone like me. And so God prohibits contact with the supernatural because instead of them trying to contact God, God says, I'm going to contact you. Instead of humanity trying to reach up to God, says God says, no, no, I'm going to come down to you. Verses 16 and 17 teaches that at the giving of the Ten Commandments, Israel saw God's glory on the mountain and they were afraid. And it's a wise thing to be afraid when you see God's presence. So they asked Moses to mediate between them and God. And God commends his people for that request because that was his will for them. And then verse 18, God gives the promise of a prophet. He says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. Now, I know this is just one small verse, two little sentences, but God packs a lot of stuff into this one verse. And as we walk through this promise, we will see that Jesus is the one who fulfills this promise. All we have to do is follow the points of the promise. God says this prophet will be like Moses. He says he will be from among their brothers, meaning he'll be from Israel. God's words will be in his mouth and he will teach what God says. First, God says he will be like Moses. And that's, that's a lot. Because we're talking about Moses, y'all. Moses, the deliverer. Moses, the lawgiver. Moses, the mediator. Moses, the one who turned a sea to blood. Moses, the one who dried up the Red Sea. We're talking about Moses, the one who drew water from a rock. The one who rained down manna and quail from the heavens. The one who held up a bronze serpent in the middle of a desert for the healing of the nation. We talk about Moses, the one who wrote the first five books of the Bible. And so if you're an Israelite hearing this, or any Israel, Israelite listening to this prophecy or reading this prophecy centuries after it is given, you have to be thinking in your mind, who in the world is going to feel those shoes. I mean, how big feet do you have to have to fill those shoes? And, and someone here may be wondering, is it possible for anyone to fulfill all that Moses did? I'm, I'm here to tell you that not only is it possible, but it's been done. It's been completely fulfilled by Jesus who turned water into wine. 
Jesus who fed more than 15,000 people from a Lunchable. Jesus who told a storm on a sea to shut up so he could take a nap. Jesus who walked on a sea in the middle of a storm. Jesus who told a thirsting woman at a well that he had living water that she couldn't get out of that well. Jesus who at 12 years old confounded the teachers of the law with his own wisdom. Jesus who John said, I'm not worthy to lace up his Nikes. Jesus, whom demons had to obey. Jesus, who healed a woman just by the hem of his garment. Jesus, whom John said was God in flesh. Jesus, who was convicted on trumped up charges in kangaroo courts. Jesus, who suffered under Pontius Pilate. Jesus, who was whipped all night long for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. Jesus, who was hung on a cross the way Moses hung the serpent in the desert. I don't know. I know Jesus don't look like Moses while he's hanging on the cross, but he's doing something that Moses couldn't do. He's saving us from our sin. And early on Sunday morning, he rose, saving us from the curse of the law. And now he sits at the right-hand side of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. The Word tells us that Moses saw God face to face, but Jesus is the face he was talking to. I'm just trying to tell you that Jesus is not simply like Moses, but he is the greater Moses. God says that this promised prophet will be from among Israel's brothers. And so that means we got to check the record. And I'm so glad that Matthew and Luke decided to check the record because when they checked the record, they found out that Jesus is a descendant of David. David, Israel's greatest king. And God promised David that his throne would be established forever and that the scepter would not depart from Judah. Well, Jesus is the son of David. He is the one whom of David said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Jesus is the shoot from Jesse. And Peter, I know Peter said, our enemy is a roaring lion who goes around seeking whom he may devour. But Jesus is the lion of Judah who rules eternally from his father's throne. The next point God promises is that his words will be in his mouth. And John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. And then down in verse 14, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father. I'm trying to tell you that Jesus is the promised prophet. 
I'm not, I'm saying that Jesus does not merely have the word of God in his mouth, but that he is the word of God made flesh. I'm trying to tell you that God gave those provision prohibitions of us trying to reach heaven because he brought heaven down to us. Don't you hear Jesus saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The next point of the promise is that the prophet will teach everything God commands him. In the Sermon on the Mount, you remember Jesus would say, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And in doing that, he is not reinterpreting or rewriting the law. But as my father would say, he is giving the law the fullness of its meaning. When they would ask him what are the greatest commandments, he turned to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and he told them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Then he turned to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, and said, To love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, These are the two greatest commandments that all the law and the prophets hang on these two, and only the one who is the word could tell us how to sum up the law. And then at the institution of communion, he gives his disciples a new command that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Love one another. Because he says, by this, the world will know that we are his disciples. So in Jesus, God shows us how we are to relate to him and each other. Jesus teaches us to love God through repentance and worship and to love our neighbor through humble service. Jesus reveals God to us and teaches us that the only way to the Father is by believing in him. Now, having given a prohibition and having promised the prophet to come, who is Jesus the Christ, God now gives a premonition, a warning. And in this warning, it forces us to make a choice. Verse 19, God says, I will hold accountable whoever does not listen to my words that he speaks in my name. The choice we have to make is one of obedience or disobedience. We can choose obedience and live, or we can choose disobedience and die. Because it's not enough just to come to church on Sunday and hear the word preached and explained and, and then just go home and go watch football. You have to make a decision. For the non-believers who may be watching this at a later time, you have to decide, does all this sound fake and made up, or does it sound like religion trying to control you, or does it sound like actual truth? Does it sound like a real God who cares about you and who can handle your doubts? For the casual Christian, for the one who's fallen away, the one who says, I you know, I grew up in church, and, but, you know, I don't really mess with church people now because, you know, they're hypocrites or whatever, and, and, and you might be going through a period of deconstruction. 
you have to decide if it's God and the Bible that you struggle to believe or if it's the flawed, fallen humans that claim to represent God and claim to teach the Bible that you struggle to believe. And whether you believe in this Jesus of Nazareth or not, each of us, God says, will be held accountable for how we did or did not obey Jesus' teachings. So there, there is no middle ground. There is no gray area. And it won't just figure itself out. You have to make a decision because Jesus is the serpent crusher who conquered death and because he is the prophet that is greater than Moses. So I leave you with these words from Moses. Today I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. And I urge you, choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God, obey him, and remain faithful to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word that has gone forth. Lord, we thank you that Jesus is the prophet that is greater than Moses. And Lord, we're asking now that you would continue to set our hearts ablaze with celebration as we look back on his first coming and look ever to his second coming. Father, continue to guide us and teach us. In Jesus' name, amen.